0: All you can do is, you know, look at those tiny little hands with those wristbands and try to make out that that your son's or daughter's name is still there in that crib, because if they're not there in the crib, that means you're going home with a body bag. So that was how extreme it was. And one thing I've been convinced with is no problem is bigger than you as a person in life, because if, you, if you're
1: alive, things can always bounce back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do you aspire to be an entrepreneur? To build your own business? To leave a legacy behind? If you want to know how to get started, or if you're already on your journey and want some help on how to tackle the challenges you're facing, this show is for you. Here at Be Your Own Boss, we hear from entrepreneurs about their stories, some very practical tips, and some inspiration. It's time to get started. Welcome to Be Your Own Boss. Until the age of 12, he could hardly say his name. And today, he's a professor at a university, He's doing his PhD, is a handwriting expert, a personal finance coach. He wears many hats and he's the founder of Optimus Management Consultants, a company that specializes in training, content strategy management and advisory. Our guest this week is Sujit Sukumaran. Sujit, thank you so much for taking our time and uh, joining us and looking forward to hearing your story. Uh, I know you personally, and so that's why I know that your, your journey has been so inspirational and it, it inspires everybody that uh, knows you. So for the listeners, let's, uh, shall we start from uh, the beginning, if you'd like? Uh, tell us about your childhood, your parents, your siblings, where were you born? Tell us about what memories that you have from your childhood.
0: So, uh, I've been in Dubai boy uh, most of my life. I've uh, been born and brought up here in the, from the early 80s onwards. And I uh, uh, pretty much went to school here, been uh, until 12th, and then uh, went to India for my bachelor's. Came back and uh, then did a master's in between work and been working in industry for almost a decade uh, before I actually got about starting my own business. Uh, kicking the corporate rat race and wanting to do something on my own. That's in terms of career. And personally, what what might be interesting is uh, I was born with a physical disability. Uh, When I was born, I was a premature baby. Uh, I came out early. Mom's always been saying I've been in a hurry ever since. I came out in the seventh month. And uh, I was weighing only 1 kilo and 160 grams. Uh, Nothing was working in the body. I was a blue baby. I had severe pneumonia, and they had to put me on a ventilator for almost 14 days. Uh, my parents weren't well off at that point in time, and I still remember uh, the doctor asking my parents on day 11 or 12, that, uh, how long do you intend to continue with this, because the bills are mounting, and uh, we don't have means to pay for it anyway, so would you like to? The body is not responding either, he's just hanging on with the help of this machine. So, probably on day 13, we can take a call, or maximum day 14, two weeks will be over. We can take a call. We'll probably pull the switch. So, I don't know about other people, like years later, you know, probably 15 years in my career. Now, I've seen various types of pressure situations, various types of crisis. Uh, and you can get out of a crisis either through money or whatever, but it's one of the hardest points in time in your life. When you do not have the resources, when somebody you love is at the mercy of a machine, and no amount of money or no amount of probable prayers or institutional intervention would keep that person back to life, so this was the earliest dilemma that my parents faced. Thankfully, on day fourteen, something kick-started in my body, and one by one, the drained blood started coming back, and. It was a faint murmur of a heartbeat and then they're like, okay, I think this is good enough. We can bring him back from here. And they just hooked me off the ventilator and uh, I was confined to the special baby care unit for more than three months because I was too weak to even get breastfed. So I used to get formula fed and pipe fed through various pipes all around my body. And I still remember that my parents used to say that it's a very treacherous place, this special baby care unit, because every day you get four to five parents coming in and out of those four to five parents, three of the parents return with body bags. So it's not a pleasant place to be. And all you can do is, you know, look at those tiny little hands with those wristbands and try to make out that that your son's or daughter's name is still there in that crib because if they're not there in the crib that means you're going home with the body bag. so that was how extreme it was and after you know two attempts like this on my life very much in the beginning one thing i've been convinced with is no problem is bigger than you as a person in life because if you if you're alive uh, and if you are destined to see another sunrise, things can always bounce back. And that's probably one of the credos that I've followed in most of my engagements in life, whether it's professional, personal, that it's not over, you know, until you are alive. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's no point in giving up. So if if that was enough resilience, you know, entrepreneurship is much simpler than that. A uh, job is much simpler than that. What's the max that will happen? They'll fire you from your job. You're not going to die tomorrow. This is not squid game. It's a nine to five job at the end of the day. Similarly, entrepreneurship, what's the worst that can happen? You'll go under, the business will shut. If you're a confident person with bright ideas, you can always get another idea. And who knows, You know your next idea might be the best one, uh, better than every other idea that you've had in the past. And, It's not too late because many of the world's most famous people in entrepreneurship and business started very late. So, of course, there's a great advantage of starting early. Some people are gifted. Some people are blessed with the kind of family support. Some people are blessed with the kind of money, different things. But at the end of the day, uh, what I'd like to start this episode by saying is that think about what you have and what you can do with what you have rather than lament, you know, that the neighbor has more resources or somebody else has better talent or skills. Because there will always be somebody better than you. There's no question about that. And and in this interview, I can proudly say that I'm not the smartest person on the planet. I'm not the most intelligent person on the planet. I'm not the most resourceful, neither the most hardworking. Uh, But one thing I know is that there may be people better than me. There may be people worse than me. But there is no one like me on this planet that I'm pretty sure. And you have to be bloody sure of that if you want to survive in any industry, either as a corporate person or as in your life even, because the the day you realize the uniqueness of you, uh, you will start to celebrate life. you know that it's not like feeling like you' know l'oreal because I'm <laughs> worth it, or you know I'm God's gift <laughs> to humanity. I'm not talking about it from from an entitlement or an arrogance perspective. That's more that you need to feel confident in yourself, that it's enough. If I wake up, start up and show up, success will come. Why I say this again and again on this podcast, on this episode today is because around us, we see for every 10 people we meet, nine people are there, even within your own family, the closest, as close as your shadow are there to tell you that why do you want to do this you're not going to make it it's not going to work why do you want to go the off-beaten track you know why don't you uh the line like everyone else but who knows maybe you weren't meant to toe the line you know take a risk jump do the stuff you want to do you only have one life six years back when i quit my job the first thing i did was i i put all my savings and i went on a u.s trip i said okay After this, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do something in entrepreneurship. So I quit my job. That's when I proposed to my uh, wife and uh, say in October of 2015, I proposed to her. We got married in March 2016 and uh, the business only formally incorporated in February 2016. Okay. So when I was actually going to meet my wife's parents, you know, the typical questions in an Indian household, like, yeah. what do you do for a living? <laughs> Imagine, you're somebody with several palsy, you don't walk straight. You're not like the other guys. Uh, your daughter is a very successful uh, professional in her own right. She's a professional chartered accountant and she says that she loves this guy who is in another country where she's gone to work. you don't know anything about him you don't know about his antecedents and suddenly you also find out he has a disability to top it all he's currently jobless and he's thinking about starting something and uh, when you ask him the straight question what is your plan in life (laughs) from the point of view of being a concerned father the only answer that he can give you is, Uncle, I'm currently thinking about it. I haven't decided, but I will start something. And I hope and I'm confident I will be successful in the future. And that should be enough to take care of both of us for the rest of our lifetimes. So this was the situation I was in.
1: And what was his
0: <laughs> response? <laughs> uh, he was like, okay, you are a new gen. I know my my daughter must have seen something remarkable in you. That's why I'm not saying much about this. It's up to you guys, but please ensure you get yourself up in order very fast mm. because you need money also to survive. And uh, you know it's it's necessary for your family life and harmony as well. So I'm sure you will figure out what you guys better figure out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. not only that, even from home, like I told you, I'd blown my savings on my US trip. So my mother was very straight. She's like, yeah. whatever money you need to set up the business i will give you that money and i will give you three years time within that three years you need to break even and return me back all the money that i've loaned you and then only i will accept that you are some sort of an entrepreneur suppose you fail no problem you will still need to repay me the money back but never ever think about entrepreneurship in your life again So this was the caveat and ultimatum given to me from my parents. And that was the kind of response that I got from her parents. Now, between both these parents is when on 2016, February 10th, I came back on the visa of my company, which at that point of time, did not even have a website. It was just a concept on a trade license. And from there, the journey began
1: okay well sujit so l- let's go a few steps back before this point right when you were you were working uh, before you know you quit your job and uh, went to the on your us trip what was that like when uh, you had a job what kind of job was it
0: well i i, I had I've, by that time i had worked in almost how many eight or nine companies because i had this issue of getting bored very fast Like I used to go there get promotion after promotion, get bonus after bonus. And then I'm like, okay, there's nothing new in this. Like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And uh, after some time, you know, I don't like to do the same things over, over, over and over again. And, you know, get paid more and more every year for doing the same stuff. So somewhere within my conscience itself, I used to either quit myself or there will be some political issue within the organization and they don't like my rapid rise so fast. So some factors will all get together and uh, sometimes that has also happened that they let go of me or some, uh, luckily in 2009, 10 there was the recession. So that redundancy also happened. So I've been through multiple, sometimes I've thrown off jobs myself because I've been bored with it. Sometimes I've been a victim of uh, political issues in the organization, citing my disability as inability to perform, a nice way to avoid me. Or sometimes it has been on mass redundancy, then you couldn't do anything. But what was interesting throughout all these things, like I had a pretty decent set of learnings, like I've worked in the insurance industry to start with. Then I've moved uh, to the management consulting uh, industry. Then I worked in the education sector uh, in corporate HR for a couple of years. And ironically, after that, you know, now full circle, I'm teaching at a university. So each of these experiences have been some sort of learning milestones, which I've been effectively able to reuse later on in my career as an entrepreneur.
1: So Sujit, when, when you were do, uh, in, in your job and, you um, know, uh, before you even quit the job, did you have aspirations of like one day you want to quit and start your own business? Did you have any ideas like that? No, 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 no,
0: not at all. Not at all. I was doing part-time work uh, to supplement my full-time work because in none of the places, either I was unhappy with the salary that I got or I was very bored with the kind of work that I had. I do not find it intellectually stimulating beyond a point. So I was already like, way back from 2006... I was doing writing work for Shiksha.com, for bait.com and few other of the .com big content houses and all those things because I can tell you at, at one point in time, my writing gigs used to get me in 2006, somewhere around 10,000 grams a month. My salary was around 2,500 grams a month. Hmm. So where do you feel loyalty, you know, you'll be like, okay, somehow check out, put your fingerprint at five o'clock and start working US clients are waiting. So. I wouldn't say it's about being dishonest or having an extra work affair or being having infidelity with your job. Now it has become cool and sexy because now gig economy is a big buzzword now and everyone wants to moonlight and sunlight and all those kind of things. But in uh, my time, you know, they're like, one job is not enough. This guy is doing two jobs. Like why do-? But you know what? I personally feel and don't treat me as an example. Treat me as an anomaly because my case may not be typical. But I feel that the greatest malaise of people, and I do not think entrepreneurship is for everyone. Don't get me wrong. There are very few animals with special DNA who want to suffer more and more. They will get into entrepreneurship. Those <laughs> who so, so like extreme risk and extreme uncertainty and absolute abuse from your family, because uh, they, it's like this. They love the benefits, but they want you also. So it's it's, a, it's an always an entrepreneur's dilemma. You never have enough time for the family. I was thinking if I be my own boss, BYOB, I can take as many leaves as I want, which is a fact. I don't have to fill in a leave requisition, but, uh, you know, an entrepreneurship thing is like a new relationship. You need to spend time. And after some time, it becomes like a garden. If you don't tend to it every day, it will go down as fast as it came up. Like when I go to the bathroom in the morning, I'm thinking, what can I do new today to multiply? So your brain becomes a running calculator at all times. Not that you're always money minded, but you're like, how can I optimize my time? How can I get more freedom? Today, see, at, at one point of time, when I started my business, my only goal was, what is my last highest salary was 23,000 dirhams. So if I make 30,000 dirhams a month, I'm happy. You know, that, that that was my main big goal at that point in time. And. For first six, seven months, nothing came. I was sending proposal after proposal, proposal after proposal. Nothing's clicking. All small, small jobs were coming. That's not enough to even pay me. Forget about getting other people on the team. And plus the trade license money and all those kind of stuff and all that. So I was like, you know, for namesake, there is a license. There is Optimus. And you have printed business cards, founder and CEO, full ego boost and all that. But nothing was really adding up. I I remember you know two thousand sixteen looking at our Excel sheet of the cash flow, and I'm like, why do we even bother to start a business? Nothing's really happening. And I still remember somewhere around November December, I was almost like broken. Like we did some business, but nothing worthwhile. I could have been much less tension free by continuing in a decent job. Hmm. And then you know my mother was like, what is this like? Nothing is showing on the balance sheet. I'm like, boss, I've sent more than 250 proposals. What can I do if nothing has come? Because here, it's also about who you know and the vasta and networks and all. We did good work, but, but it takes some time to break in and become famous. So what very interestingly happened is somewhere in September, October of 2016, I still remember, I gave myself two months time. I said, see, boss, you have been doing good work. There's nothing wrong with your work ethic. You have been sending proposal after proposal, going meeting after meeting, speaking to everyone. And in entrepreneurship, you know, you need to be shameless and fearless. You need to ask everyone for help. There is nothing wrong in that. When you start, you know, only those who know you will help you. But most of the time, those of you who know each other, when you start a business, they don't want to help you anymore. You know, like they would rather order from somewhere else than do business with you. It takes time. And uh, because of those experiences initially, like after 2016, 17, I have not approached somebody who I know to give work to Optimus. Today, some of them who I know are my biggest clients, no doubt, but they themselves came to know after many years through external parties who were dealing with them that there is this one company and their name is Optimus and they're doing good work in this area. So when they actually called up the firm, they're like, okay, they checked out the LinkedIn profile. They're like, ah, Sujit, you know, Sujit. So they're like, Sujit, you have, you, you're, you're do- I, knew, I knew you were doing some business, but Optimus is your company. is it's like, yeah, so how come you never told me that you do this? I'm like, see, I don't believe in that. You know, like me coming and telling you and then you giving me business because I feel it's kind of a obligation of sorts. Rather, when you hear about me from someone and come to me on its own merit, you know, that is a different thrill in all in itself. So I still remember coming back 2016, November, December, we had sent this proposal to al uh, in February for one HR project. February to the, When we started, like I think 14, 15, now, Valentine's Day of February, I had sent the proposal. We just quoted, we never expected we'll get because all big white companies and bid for and always bidding for that. So in November, December, like I was down around 50K dirhams, uh, 150, 200 proposals odd, with probably uh, 25, 30 proposal success ratio, which is like, and all the small ones are like nothing sizable. So then you know how negativity creeps in, right? And then for a moment, in November, December, I decided, we will liquidate. Like, no need. We will shut down the business. Nothing is going to happen. I will go to some job, whatever job. I'll get some job I'll get. Around 2025, I'll get something and finish. Five dream entrepreneurship, bye-bye. Uh, delete that entry from LinkedIn. Destroy all your business cards and uh, bury the shame in your heart for the rest of your life in Bihar. You will not believe I was standing in the queue uh, for uh you know the dissolution formalities and all that to inquire okay, what you need to put an ad and all no, for dissolution. And all that. My token is one behind, which means one person is in front of me, standing there. And uh that when you go go there you have to switch off the mobile phones because it's immigration Yeah. So
1: I'm
0: standing there and I have switched switch it off, not even vibrator mode or something. Okay. And uh, then what happened, something like uh, mummy was trying to reach me or something, somebody who we know there, you can, I think your mother is trying to call you. you, better switch on your mobile and check. I think she has given many missed calls. So I switched on, Mommy's only one missed call is there. There's around 15, 16 missed calls from Alphutene, because I have two calls on my mobile. So why you is Alphatele calling me like thought, okay, my wife just bought a Honda car, maybe something to do with that. But <laughs> I've forgotten that I have sent this proposal even in February. So then I called back, this is from Alstom procurement. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't ring a bell at all because it's no. February and now it's November, October, November. And I'm like, finish, shut up, boss. game over. We are going to shut down. And then I like, remember the restructuring assignment we had we wanted you to work with around 150-200 employees. You had quoted in February. Uh, tender numbers, so-and-so. I'm yeah. You had quoted somewhere around 350,000 rounds for that. I yes, yes, I remember. Mm-hmm. And we told you, sorry, we have already appointed another consultant who has quoted somewhere around 270-something. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. Why are you telling me this? I'm five minutes away from shutting down the company. So we thought, you know what that guy could those people they could not do it they made a mess they screwed it up um, and now we don't have time to waste so we just went ahead and approved your proposal uh, as per your terms and conditions fifty percent advance is already the cheque is already ready when can you come to collect it Wow okay so I'm like okay I I didn't do it because you get all this week. Lottery calls, and you won all this nonsense and all that. So, I'm like, very naive question. Can you, is the check is ready, can you please scan a copy and send it to me on email so that I can confirm and I can share it with my accounts department? Because I'm literally like, okay, dissolution, you have to place an ad in the paper that will cost you 5000 and plus another 5000 for. Uh, uh, liquidation formalities so for 10k i'm thinking in my mind where to arrange this 10k and this guy is telling me hundred and fifty thousand 000 steak is ready in your company name please come and collect it and start work from tomorrow so i'm like oh, so can you give me the scan copy of this because i can't believe it. and he said i'll call you in five minutes so he after five minutes I received a mail from them that uh, tender number so and so, opened it up, PDF file, document. So you're, you're enlarging it on the mobile, right? And you can see Optimus Management Consultants being fee for first 50% of assignment commencement, 150,000 Uh dated uh, 4th of December 2016. Yeah. It's like okay, check, full cool guarantee, no problem, and they wait. like, then they call my token number. So I'm like, no, no, wait, wait. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> so I don't know what to shut down. We are back in business. Taxi. Uh, let's go to Alkutim. So that's how it started. Wow. So from there, there's been no looking back.
1: Hmm. I, have, I have a question on that, uh, Sajid. So this, this was a dramatic uh turn around right at the time when the token was uh you know your number was about to be called right but if we look at that time period from the time you quit your job uh and and until the time you got the the alpha m1 how were you how were you paying your bills during this time uh you were already mm-hmm. married you had a family
0: my wife was a great support she had a fairly
1: stable job
0: and luckily my mother was still working at that point in time she retired only say one year after i started the business so she was also there and we were all staying as a joint family so not much expense and we didn't have a kid at that point in time so there was no other expense other than they were bills and food and all those things and mainly business-wise there was only me at that point in time and only the license no
1: office overheads or anything like that so you, you I, didn't have any employees yet at that time, no, 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 no okay. not at that point in time, no, uh, because I myself was
0: figuring out what to do, right, and <laughs> after figuring out also nothing happened really. so once we got this, then it obviously became clear that I cannot operate on my own because it was a big project, and then we got in a couple of people ad hoc, you know they still there with us on on and off basis and all this so from there then then I'm like, okay, because uh, I actually. <laughs> learned this art of proposal writing uh, in one of my uh, management consulting jobs what I had before I actually had my last job, my second last job. So our boss used to always make us write proposals and whatever we write, he will keep on correcting. So we used to always think he always keeps finding fault with our proposal. So basically the, the mandate became that we must make the proposal so watertight that there is no fault findable in that. And I used to hate doing it. Today, when I sit and write a proposal, I can write a legal draft proposal 15, 16 pages in like five minutes, because I know the terms by heart. Because Mm. That's why I said, sometimes what you hate doing, one very small thing might become a very big game changer. Like I said, uh, the point is, with an entrepreneur, you need to look at it in terms of a resource-based theory. What I mean to say by that is... When I teach classes also of strategy and entrepreneurship at university, I ask all my students if I have to put a number value or a dollar value or a dharam value to everything that you have. Like, uh, you know, suppose you have a pretty face. Have you put a value to that? What if the people who hire you hire you because they like the way you look? Now, don't tell me that doesn't happen in organizations. You know, people have made entire careers of how they look. I'm not saying supermodel or real estate people or something like that. Even as a normal individual, if you're an engineer or you're an a accountant or whatever you are, if you're presentable, if if you are confident, that is a, that's a kind of brand value. There's an intangible number value to that. Plus the way you dress, the kind of grooming you have, there is an intangible number value to that. The soft skills that you possess, the kind of Vocab- the kind of vocabulary you use, the kind of subject grasp that you have, the kind of languages that you know, the depth to which you know those languages, your special abilities, the ability to talk people into and out of situations, beyond your domain knowledge. Because if you see certus paribus, everybody else that you're competing with in the job market is equally or more skilled than you on paper. What is it beyond the paper that you have? which makes you unique. The faster you think of that as an employee, you will rise very fast in your corporate career. As an entrepreneur, you have to have a new competency every day. You need need two things. You need T-shaped knowledge, which is like the letter T, broad in surface and deep in the STEM also. At the same time, you need multiple T's because one T may not be enough to carry you through four or five years. Because, for example, um, suppose you look at doing some kind of accounting work, which I keep telling in my accounting classes nowadays. As we know it, bookkeeping, accounting, taxation, like two years ago, two, three years ago, when the FTA came up with VAT, VAT consultancy was a big business in the UAE. You know, even tax residency certificates, those days used to cost 12,000 dirhams. People used to become tax residency certificate, issuing consultants and make five, 6,000 per certificate. Today, where is that market. Now the certificate itself costs only 2,000 dollars, mm. And now the government has made it so simple, you can go online and apply for it, if you know the documentation. So you see what has happened, that whole industry has gone. One, you need to put a dollar value to everything you have. And uh, number two, you need to know what all you have and how, much of it you have. Then if you know those two knowledges, then the third component becomes how much of it are you willing to give away at what cost? Cost means two things. Not only monetary cost, but also opportunity cost. Because you get drained out like anything. Like people only see the success outside. What it takes to make it there, you know, it's like that you see that uh, one poster is there, no, where thousands of arrows are there on your back, but in the front you're standing like Captain America kind of thing. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is like that. Nobody cares a damn about you if you're not successful. If you're successful, they will say, oh, wow, you know what's, he already had it in him. He had those talents. This is all nonsense. Everyone gets punched in the gut. At least once a week, in the starting every day of the week. How do entrepreneurs survive just because we don't know how to give up? And this country is beautiful, Sachin. I have not seen another country in the world where with such limited capital, with a lot of uh, hopes and desires, with, if you're willing to spend your day and night and work hard, even if it's in a very, very small space like I operate, you will get enough and more amount of money than you can handle in your life. If you get a chance to do something for somebody, like either by picking up the phone and you know using your influence to get them something or something like that, do it because the karmic balance is very, very powerful. What you do today, if not for you, but to somebody else you're connected with, you'll be very surprised like how like miraculous things happen right in front of your eyes. You never imagined, you know, like something like this could happen, and then suddenly it happens. Like, One very interesting incident, you know, like, I used to uh, train some of these uh, guys in the local banks. Hmm. One of my trainees, his name is Rashid, Uh, he eventually left the bank and then he went to work for Dubai Airports, uh, still working there. Uh, And once what happened was I was (coughs) going to Doha for a Toastmasters uh, event, around uh, 1,500 people waiting in the division conference. Uh, I was doing a special session there, and uh, I have already—I mean—for tickets and mm-hmm. visa. So standing there, and there was some issue. This is a Thursday night, the days when uh, Friday, Saturday was our weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm standing in the queue, and they're like, uh, "You are okay, manager category, but uh, you need uh, Qatar visa. I have the printout with me. No, that is not enough. It needs to be uploaded onto the device system as okay to board approved." So I'm like, what nonsense. It's not possible because it's a different country. How, why should they put it in your system? So they're like, no, without that, we cannot allow you to board. So I'm standing there. Something is there with me and cues and turnarounds. You must have figured out that. <laughs> okay. Some connection with cues. <laughs> Some connection is there with me and cues and turnarounds. So I'm standing there and suddenly this one guy comes, Rasid comes, and uh, I don't recognize him because I taught a lot of students. I'm standing there and she she's looking at me, so I'm worried. Okay, maybe these fly by guys are now so pissed they've called some CID or some big shot Arab to to evacuate me from here or what? And uh, he's you know looking at me like this. And then I'm the coach. i have already argued with the ticketing desk person. Then is there nothing doing? I can see from the gate all the. Seats are filling up in the plane. I am like, okay, I already called the Qatar guys. I said, I cannot make it. These guys are doing some issue here. Rashid comes and uh, he's looking at me. And then suddenly he's like, yeah, Mudir, you recognize me? So I'm like, I hope I wish, but I don't. And Rashid is like, what is this Mudir? You should remember I'm your student. So then I oh, Rashid, because then I understood it. So I said, oh, Rashid, what you are you doing here? I thought you were working with bank before. So I said, yeah, that long time back. Now I left bank. Now I am with airport. What happened? What Why you are standing here? So I said, see, I am supposed to go to Qatar. They are doing like this. So he went to them. He said, so you have visa? I said, yeah, I have visa. See, Qatar out. Uh, Show your uh, visa, Dubai visa. manager. Okay. You have visa, you are manager, there is no problem. You have active ticket, okay, ticket also, passport. I'm like, okay, passport. Sir, what is the problem? No problem. Then he, he said, okay, you wait here uh, or don't wait here, you come with me. He took me to his office somewhere inside of the airport, where he flying the elevator and go. He gave me one coffee and two or three biscuits and he took all my stuff. Hmm. I said, you wait here, I will come, okay. is my flight. 7.45 I am sitting in this airport munching biscuits and drinking coffee. Until now, I at least had my passport and ticket and everything. Now that's what I don't have. So I'm officially detained in, in one unknown cabin in the Dubai airport.
1: Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to the Be Your Own Boss podcast. By the way, if you find this podcast useful, Please share it with your friends and family so that someone somewhere having the potential and the dream to start a business can get some help and some inspiration from this. And if you'd like to support me so that I can bring in more content, please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to right now. And you can also send me your feedback on byob at sachinacharya.com. That's B-Y-O-B at SachinAcharya.com. And now, back to the show.
0: So I'm officially dating in one unknown cabin in the Dubai airport. With my student, Rashid, who's taken all my papers. I said, wait. Let's okay. If God has will it will be built to travel, that's all. So, Rashid, after, around 8 o'clock, Rashid comes, he's like, Yalla, Yalla, come, let's go, let's go. i like, what? He's like, I got approval, you can board the flight. But how? There is no bus, nothing. He's like, I will bring buggy. And he got the buggy, we went, then he transferred me onto the buggy in the tarmac. And we actually entered from through a box. There's an AC box, usually they use for disabled people, but that time I was not on a wheelchair. So there's an AC box which loads from opposite the captain's entry point. So the whole flight is full. So if they load me onto this, open the door that is usually reserved for VIPs or emergency only. So everyone's like, why the hell isn't the flight taking off? Which is this VIP who's coming? So, I, like Rashid drops me, he said, now I put you in the flight. Now it's not my responsibility, violent responsibility to reach you to Doha. I just <laughs> finished my work. yeah So, anyway, call me after you reach. This is my card. And anytime you get stuck in the airport, you let me know. And I landed in Doha. So, you see, sometimes it's also about what you do on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes it not create an economic impact. But you never know who can help you at what time. So, always be nice to everyone. You know, entrepreneurship is very simple, Sachin. One, keep multiple pots burning. Because if one pot spoils, the other pot will save you. Second thing, be nice to everyone. You never know whose help you might need at what time. Keep open eyes and open ears. You know, hear twice, that's why you have two ears. Observe two more times, that's why you have two eyes. Speak only once, that's why you have only one mouth. So there's something called gravitas, you know, when you're the last person to speak, you've already heard the thoughts of everyone else and then when you distill that and come with an explosive thing you know, then then there's a sudden respect for you in the room and th- this is one practice I do, you know, I, I observe silence at least 10-15 minutes in a day it's not meditation but I just sit simply doing nothing just observing my breath and that like it's an incremental practice like you start with 10 seconds 20 seconds 30 seconds by nine months you'll reach around five, 10 minutes it's not easy huh? first and you know, all your mind will start jumping like monkey and all that but when you reach 10 15 minutes the beauty of that practice is you know exactly when to shut down and you know cut the crap in any chaotic situation and go into a zone of deep focus then when you open your mouth to speak you know, the kind of points and the kind of uh, clarity that you will have it literally shakes up everyone in the room to a point that they will either agree with you or they will disagree and something great will come out of it yeah so uh, that is the third thing and lastly uh, maybe more relevant for me but i have not been practicing this aggressiveness even as entrepreneurs please pay attention to your health and fitness mental as well as physical as much as you pay attention to the balance sheet because uh, only as long as you are alive, there is use of the business being alive. Most recently, one of the greatest demises which touched me was Rakesh Junjunwala at 65-66. Uh, he had built a multi-crore house, so many dreams he had. But despite all those riches, you know, he could not uh, complete his house. Of course, he was lucky enough to start his own airline before, he, shortly before he passed away. But if he had only taken a little more care of his health, you could have lasted for so so much more longer and inspired so many more people. So you know, probably paying attention to your health, mental and physical. Why I am emphasizing more on mental because physical is visible; it will show you signals. Mental is invisible, and many entrepreneurs are afraid to tell other people that they are vulnerable. Mm. I have no shame in telling you that there have been many days in the initial phases of my business. I was like, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. I don't think I'm better to do this. I have stuck myself in the bathroom and literally, you know, regretted my decision and tried and said, yeah, why did I take up all this stress? I could have gone into a nine to five job and been happy. I kept saying that now, okay, I'm successful. I can rest on my laurels, be happy about it. But I always remind myself that there was a point in time in the past where I started with nothing. And I'm not afraid. Even if I go back to nothing, I am chill because now I have so much more guts and knowledge which I didn't have when I started.
1: Sujit, you know, at at this point, like now that you've gained all this experience and, and you talk about going back in time, if you were to go back in time actually now with all this experience, are there any of those... Decisions that you had taken, any steps that you had taken that you would have done differently? Not really. Not really.
0: Because if I had done them differently, no, I would not have become what I am today. Every step you take, you know, it's a scar in your timeline, you know. It's a kind of thing, either you learn or you or you live. One of these two things, like either you get killed by it or you get learn, you will get learning and you get stronger by it. In hindsight, uh, I don't know because I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. If you asked me, what, six years ago, whether I would own property in Dubai, I would have never said yes because my thought process was, Sujit, as a person who is employed, does not, with his physical disability and limitations, despite all his intelligence, have the bandwidth in him to earn anything more than 30,000 dirhams a month. Finish. That is my only capability because no one else has told me that I'm worth more or I'm capable to do more. Mm. Today in entrepreneurship is not about thirty thousand or three hundred thousand or three million. I'm like, how much do you want to earn? What kind of time do we have? And is the work worth taking up? Those are the only three questions that I ask. Sometimes we do very very small assignments, but it's because the people are very very important to us sometimes we step away from assignments because we are like it's not worth our time or sometimes even if it's a very good assignment we step away because we say the client is not decent
1: Hmm, that's interesting
0: because people they pay money and they think they own you so I don't want to be a monkey in that circus so at some point of time as an entrepreneur it's not about being arrogant because I respect every grain of rice on my plate Uh, there is no uh, saying no to Lakshmi at all but, you know, from certain points of places where money comes from, you're better off without that headache. Somebody else will take that karma for you. You don't need to get into it. So today, at least at least over the pandemic, I've been fortunate that I've started saying no to a lot of assignments, but I've started referring them to other people. Like, Ap hmm. like
1: one,
0: I may not like the client. Other one, I don't have the bandwidth. But let someone survive.
1: Someone else get that, yeah.
0: And be helpful in the business. Don't Mm -hmm. be selfish and take all the pie for yourself. If you can refer business to somebody else, if he's a small guy, let them do. Because around year two, year three of Optimus, a lot of my business started coming from reference from companies who were bigger than me, who could have easily done that work. Mm -hmm. But they remembered me from some time that we had done small, small collaborative assignments in the past. They're like, yeah, he will really need it. So it's about people who remember you. You are never going to go far going alone and being the smarty pants in the room. It doesn't work that way in entrepreneurship. Givers get and they gain. As simple as that. In fact, you should give so much that you don't know how much you're giving even and whom you're giving.
1: And without the expectation of getting back. Yeah.
0: Uh. Don't seek entrepreneurship as a means of making money. Seek it as a means of getting to your highest potential. Then money will be unlimited. Like when I take on an assignment today, I'll ask myself, what do I learn new from this? My my monthly instruction to all my people who I work with, take 60% of the assignments which are bread and butter. In that, you don't need to break your head or learn any new skills, but that is the one which pays our bills. 40% 40% of the assignments compulsory must be something that scares you. That you have not done before.
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, how I do I don't know how to do it. Ah, so that's what it is. You learn. Kabhi bhi you don't say, no, I don't know how to do this. Figure out Google is better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't
0: cheat, don't lie, don't claim to be somebody you're not in the business world because that is a very dangerous slope to go down. The imposter is five minutes of fame and then game over. But don't be afraid to learn something on them. Mm. Because sometimes, you know, clients have come to me with absolute blinders on assignments, which I have no clue about. But they're like, I don't know how you do it, but we want you only to do it because we like dealing with you. So sometimes assignments have come asking for us, like they want to work with a particular person in my team. We are most comfortable with them. So you see, that's what I told you in the beginning. You remember, like, yeah. there is a quantifiable value to your personality
1: yeah add a, add a value to that yeah 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 and um, how big is the team that you have right now like
0: it's in- a variable so there's me and a few five to ten people at the standard then between 20 to 50 we rotate depending on how many assignments come
1: in and what assignments come in so sujit uh, you, you have your employees right you have your team and you have your clients your customers and you have your stakeholders, which is your family that you need to mm. make money for. In, this, in these three, what's your order of importance? Like what, what comes first, what comes second, what comes third? Family to definitely first. Mm. Then employees okay. second, because employees also are like your
0: extended family, because you are responsible to pay their families, which in turn take care of their requirements and all those things. And clients, of course, are important, but I would say, you know, I'm not ashamed to tell you that client is topmost priority because at the end of the day, we all, there's a purpose to why we are doing what we are doing, right? What is the end game? Why are you in business? Because you want to make a little bit more better place in the world and, you know, probably you want some more fame and you want to actually get more earning capacity. That's the reason why you're doing business. And in the, in the course of that action, you probably want to make your clients' lives better. But the primary motivation is always that you want to have a better standard of life yourself, right? So I would say family always first because if you go behind clients and neglect family, then there will be a lot of clients, but there will be no family left. So that, that's a very risky proposition. And uh, when I say family, it's not uh, limited to only your wife and mother, father, or children, or anything. Sometimes even clients can become like extended family. That also happens. you employees definitely should become extended family at some point in time. If you are one of the rare entrepreneurs who also has clients like family, that is amazing because then there is no question of any three categories. All of these will fit into single category. And clients who are like family, they know your preference exactly when to call you, when you should not be disturbed. So they're like, business will be done when business can be done. There is nothing which is a tearing hurry. That's a beautiful place to be. I'm Indian by culture for us. We are always service oriented. We we want to go extra mile for the client. But after a point, you know, my wife always used to shout at me, why are you sending this mail in the middle of the night? What is the client doing, going to do with getting the report now? I mean, for my satisfaction that I have at least delivered it. But she's going to be only after two days, but why are you delivering so early? I used to do a lot of that in my younger days. Now I'm like, okay, 9 10 maximum beyond that, I don't operate. Like and 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 probably. Uh, in the early in the morning, like I don't go very very early. Like maximum nine nine thirty I start, mm. because uh, honestly speaking, my brain only starts working at 11 Like that's when the real full power comes of the brain after I have something to eat and all that. Before that, it's just like half sleep half battery mode. <laughs> but uh, because I'm not a morning person, I'll be very honest with you and that that is also something important find out what kind of a biological clock and capacity you have Hmm. the gone are the days when they say okay early to bed early to rise makes you healthy wealthy and wise maybe healthy it will make you but wealthy and wise definitely not because wisdom can come to you around the clock money can be made at any point of time in the day of course yes because it's very much based on the solar system and all those things Uh, so yeah Hmm. but if you have a night person also don't worry all those who are listening to the episode you can very well make it big as an entrepreneur or at least small as an entrepreneur as i am because if you go to compare the world of entrepreneurship there's a lot of people who are much more richer and successful than you but the main thing is to be happy in your space that Hmm. i am Hmm. because from where i started to where i am today like like I told you, I never imagined I'd own property. Uh, I never imagined that I'd have such a big bank, bank balance. I never imagined I'd have so many investments. And I'm not very really old. Like, you know how old I am. I'm only 37. And I don't come from a business family. Uh, I've never had any godfathers in the industry or anything like that. It's all been, you know. And when I started Optimus, I never imagined I'd reach here you know, six years down the line
1: when you look back now at that at this journey right where you've come from and where you are today is there is it possible to give credit to one person or one thing to your success is there someone that you would like to thank for this or are there a group of people that you would like
0: no to thank? it's not it's not fair to only thank one person no there's so many people who who came in that journey right um, in fact one of the most interesting people who I think is responsible for me to become an entrepreneur is a cafeteria owner. Hmm.
1: Cafeteria owner?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. because I still remember this guy called Usman, and uh, he's still working in one cafeteria called Bravo Star, which is located on Sheikh Zayed Road, uh, which is opposite the second last uh, job I used to work in. We used to work late hours in the office, and this cafeteria is just opposite my office. So from Usman's window, the cash register, when you see from the window, he can see my working cubicle. And if I look from my window, I see down, I can see him also. So he will be looking at me always. And uh, I always go for dinner, like last shift, nothing. You will get only veg burger or something like that only will be available. So I'll be the last customer. They'll be cleaning all the tables, counting the cash. that In consulting, you always have to wear a suit, whether you like it or not and uh, like uh, one day he was a little bit free and uh, he was like okay so you work in that company right which is having that window i said yeah i work there so you're wearing suit and all these things so you must be in a very high position and all and that time i was not getting much of salary okay so a very low salary consulting is always overworked and underpaid so i was like Okay, otherwise also I'm irritated that I'm not getting a good enough salary. Then this guy is asking, how much salary you're getting? So it, so I was like, why is this guy interested in my life? So I'm like, okay, so you're asking, oh, so I'm getting this much salary. So he's like, only that much? So I'm like, already I'm irritated that I'm getting a less salary. And some random cafeteria dude is like, only this much? So somewhere your ego gets hurt, right? And then like, dude, now is also belittling because I'm not making enough salary. So then I'm like, okay, fair enough. So my, my middle class ego kicks in and I, I I I have to defend myself. So I'm like, okay, fine, you ask me what my salary is, what I'm doing, and all that. May I ask you like you're working in the cafeteria, right? So you guys must be getting like some very low salary and all that. So he's like, uh, You do something. Uh, now it's too late in the night. Tomorrow around 7 30, you come and see me. I'll be a little free that time. So I'm like, huh, Okay, take it. maybe you don't want to answer the question now. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow, he's like, Okay, now you tell me what's the salary like. So he's like, uh, I am one of the co owners of this cafeteria. But he does everything, he passes the tables, he knows how to cook, he manages the cash and everything. And when I was sitting there around 7 o'clock, one very surprising thing happened. One of their, what do you say, local sponsors, they came and they urgently said that they need some money. Like, they were speaking in Arabic, they need some money. And this said, how much money you need?" So it was a 6 figure amount of sums. He said, okay, chill, no problem. Within a moment, this guy pulls out a drawer and two, three mobile phones are there. He makes a few calls. 20 minutes, five, six delivery bikes come with some plastic bags in which 50, 60K each are wrapped, and they coolly give it to this guy and finish up. It must have been somewhere 120,000 dollars. So he was able to mobilize such an amount of cash, and there is no contract, nothing, no collateral, just on the basis of trust. So I was watching this and then after he finished that, he came to me, he said, okay, I mean, you? you were asking me yesterday, no, know, what is my salary and all this so salary wise, I don't take even a single term also, but how we operate is we are a team of 12. So six of us, we manage the cafeteria for six months and the remaining six in that time, they are back in the hometown. They are taking care of their own families and even our families, whatever requirements they have. And what we do is, we have each in 100k, 100k each. So it's a one point two million. and we are rolling it. Now we started like four years back, now we have four cafeterias. Now we are having, we are planning to open four, five more. And each of our cafeterias is pretty, pretty profitable. We may not be having a suit or anything, or we may not be having a fancy job description at all. We, we work extremely hard. We may not look glamorous, but I can tell you with great surety that if you need money, I can get you a six-figure amount in 15 minutes, which even the best banks over here will take over a month month to process. And it's our own cash on the streets. It's not borrowed. money. Then I was like, shit, man, a cafeteria (laughs) guy is making much more than me. And I'm sitting there in a fancy suit, slaving like a dog, nine to five, no discredit to my employer. He paid me what he could. And I'm like, with all the intelligence I have, don't I deserve a better life? Like I I will also do something in entrepreneurship. Okay, that that dream came to me. Conversation happened in 2014. It took two years from that point for me to germinate in my mind and actually get it. That was the main inspiration. That if Usman can do this, why I cannot do some? Okay, maybe not as much as him because I have physical limitations also. But something I can do, now Because this guy, I was, it was like two, three phone calls, and the bikes are ready in front. You know, cash is not coming in fancy briefcase and I like we see in the movies. In ordinary delivery bags, what you would get two shawarma, three shawarma. In those bags, they have wrapped the money in plastic, and it's ready. Wow! This is what real businesses. Is. This is the these are the businesses which run Dubai. the small SMEs, and this is the trust with which businesses run. Like even today, you ask me if somebody asks me for hundred thousand rupees tomorrow morning, whether I have the guts to give it to them without any paperwork, without any collateral, just like that in a plastic bag. No. If you ask me, what is the next lesson I want to learn as an entrepreneur? I want to get that much guts like you. Know. If that also comes, then my journey as an entrepreneur is complete. Like whether when I can start giving out sums of money without even thinking where it will come back from, mm. that kind of guts is something else. And he's not an MBA from Howard Business School. He's not a Stanford alum. He doesn't even know what do you say? What complex financial ratios are? But if you ask him about bottom line, he can do a back the of the envelope calculation, which can beat the best of MBAs, and I'm not joking yeah so so that is what business is all about it's not about intelligence. it's about trust it's about being a nice guy it's about believing in karma and doing your job the best wow, so he said cool. a lot of usman was telling a lot of our kids came they came thinking Dubai, dubai then they're like what oh, you're making me clean other people's plates and i'm like gosh here we don't have a choice of what to do what not to do. you clean the place you clear the restaurant you know how to wash dishes and you know how to handle the cash you also should cook suppose the cook falls sick on monday you should know that also like we don't build houses and have empires of our own just like that it's because we know everything from pin to pin so tomorrow one of my employees something happens i can take over the ship Mm. right and this is not like you don't have an option these guys come from extremely poor backgrounds they're not educated. But the uh, razor sharps want. And this guy is probably, and he's not related to me. I still meet him once now and he still remembers me. In fact, I had met him like a couple of months ago. So he still remembered me and he's like, what you're doing now? You're still working for some big suited Buddha company. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not working for any suited Buddha company. I wear a suit occasionally, but now I have my own business. He's like, Mm, very good finally you decided to do something useful with your life at least you're not working for somebody else so you know you, you never know inspiration can come from a midnight cafeteria conversation also so i would say usman is by far the number one inspiration or probably the irritation inspiration for me to start as an entrepreneur because otherwise because if you compare with people who are successful entrepreneurs try to become like them, that is not inspirational enough because their journey is different. Uh, your parents, they love you too much. They are very conservative. They may not allow you to take the risk. You yourself have a very flawed assumption of what your capabilities and incapacities are. So you will delay this forever. But unless one catalyst comes, you will not start. And unless you start, you will not know whether you are destined or not. Hmm. And the point is what, you know, many times I have seen entrepreneurs failing, not because they don't know how to make money. They don't know what to do after they make money. Hmm. Because you should always have a custodian approach to wealth. Then only you will become wealthy. Otherwise, you will remain rich. See, I always feel that Money is something which is a magical thing. It is available in abundance in the universe. Why should the divine give you that much money? First, you become capable to be a vessel of that fortune. The divine should know that, okay, these guys will do something good with it. Otherwise, other people also get money. I'm not saying they won't. But what will happen that money doesn't last. You see, most of the MBA players, they are bankrupt now most of the baseball players, most of the celebrities, within a couple of years of their millions, it runs out. Because they know how to make money, but they don't know how to what to do with that after that. Many startup entrepreneurs make this mistake of trying to appear big before they've made it. They host fancy parties, do a lot of PR networking stuff and all, which is good, but which is good only after you hit a net worth of 500 to 1 million, then you do all the kind of discordance you want. Until that you make your foundation extremely strong. You at least ensure that you have one year's worth of salary for every employee of yours inside the bank account. Then you do all the stunts that you want. I was very clear. I do not want any unnecessary overheads until you know I have enough money to pay all my employees for the next five years. That money is still parked till today in our company at the bank. It is never touched. People will tell you, put it in equity, you'll make money. No, that is my emergency fund. I don't want any of my guys to go without salary for a single month. Even not delayed beyond 26, 27th of the preceding month. Preceding. Because in business, be impeccable with your word, with your delivery, and with your payments. These are three important things. If you do these three things, you will have a very dangerous reputation in the market money will always come to you work will always knock your door and come to you You fail any one of these three game over business will decline very very fast Mm. that's why don't take up work you are not capable to do or make yourself capable do not fool around with money when you say that you will pay because if you if you squeeze your vendors your clients will squeeze you that karma will come back to you I have seen a lot of people, you know, they they get some kind of fun by delaying employee salaries by one week, two weeks. I don't understand what kind of working capital management that is. Uh, because if mm-hmm. you see most of the word scriptures, they often they often emphasize on you know paying money on time. The Quran itself has a very interesting phase, which is, you know, you pay the money before the sweat price of the laborer. So follow that principle. You don't need to look far. You take a impeccable with the disbursements of money and also how you manage your money that is very important because at the end of the day you pay all your employees everything you will take a share as the profit yeah and this is big money because for example in year three year four i started seeing kind of money i never saw in my whole employment life so what do you do with this now for a person like me i don't drink i don't smoke i am a vegetarian I'm not an object kind of person, so I don't I don't drive. So thankfully, my only my wife has a car. I don't need a bigger car or anything like that. The only luxury I probably splurged on is I bought bought myself an apartment. So I am a property owner here. That also after a lot of thinking and deliberation. We were fine in our rented apartment, but beyond a point, we're like, okay, in the next 10 years, we're going to be here only. What's the point of paying rent? So that is the yeah. only big, big extravagance. If you ask me, which I have done, that's also a very calculated investment because you save on rent in the wrong place. But apart from that, I've always been a frugal person. But now, you know, I take small liberties. Like, I don't mind, you know, going on a weekend holiday or, you know, why not? So... That's very important. So three things, be impeccable with your word, be impeccable with your payments and how you manage your money and profit after that. And karma always will come to you if you permit good karma, good for you, bad karma. Wait for it, it will come. You might have small laughs, but when the gravy train finally arrives, you'll be swept off your feet. So that way I'm I'm very, very scared of doing something wrong, knowingly or unknowingly, you know, like, Knowingly, I definitely don't. Unknowingly, you never know because in entrepreneurship, there'll always be somebody who's unhappy with you or sad with you. Mm.
1: To
0: find out these people and make peace with them is it, that's good for your business.
1: That's that's an important point, yeah, uh, to, to find people and, and then like, make like, peace like, with them. Like, like
0: there is a practice when you go for a you call everyone you know and you mm. may have wronged and you ask for forgiveness. I do this on a yearly basis. Any clients who I've had issues with, I'm like, okay, end of the year, next year is new year, happy new year. If you don't want to do business with me, next year is fine. But I just want to tell you that if I, you know, if we have had disagreements in the last 365 years, let's brush it under the carpet. It's fine. We don't have to do business again, but we can always love and respect each other as human beings. It's a small market. We all know each other. The first few years that I started doing this, People were very surprised because if, if they are aggressive towards you, they're like, Why is this guy doing this? What he wants from me? I'm like, No, I don't want anything from you. I just want you to feel that, oh, now nothing is there between us. And you will be surprised out of the 50 or so calls that I made in this last year of some of the disputes we had with some of our clients. And those disputes happen every business, something or the other hand, Out of those 50 clients, 35 of them gave repeat business to us, new business to us from where we thought nothing would have come. Around five of them, them did not give us business, but they referred business. Because they, when the clients called, they said, we were referred by this company. huh? That guy referred also. Like, <laughs> we weren't supposed to be on good terms with them. But yeah. somewhere people remember, Like a lot of money is there to be made if you're a nice guy in business. Not a foolish guy, not the sucker who takes the hit. But if you're a genuinely nice guy, that I want to survive also, but not at the cost of cutting you down. Like, okay, it's a big enough time. I'll also take one piece. You also take one piece. If you're greedy for more pieces, then let's fight it out. Whoever's more competitive, let him get the piece. No hard feelings. But I will not take away what's on your plate. In fact, I was reading the other day. And uh, among the Marwadi's, there is a practice of boni. and most of the uh, cultures in India they have a culture of boni where the first business of the day is taken very sacredly. Yeah, in the Marwadi community, there's very interesting uh, practice that they do, especially among people who have shops with front shops. So what they do is until the boni, the first customer of the day comes, they put a chair outside. Okay, like he's like the Maharaj or the king of the day, like you are the guy who has graced my shop. Uh, So with your fortune, the whole day will go well. That's the belief. The moment the first customer comes and goes, they will take that chair and keep it in front of the next shop who may be a direct competitor to them. Because the idea is you also must prosper. I also must prosper. Then only we will have a competitive market. This is one of the fundamental tenets of business that if you are a nice person and you don't mind referring to other people and you are in a let's all thrive and survive mode, money is there. You just need to choose your niche very correctly. And it's not, don't over-diversify. That's also one thing. You know, when I started the business, I used to do 10, 15 different things. Now also I'm doing 10, 15 different things. But at that point, it was much more.
1: Hmm. So it's like gradually you're shaping up your. Uh, yeah, because
0: sometimes the team also comes and tells you these assignments are good. They're giving good money, but sir, we don't want to work on it. Like so much headache, and we want to relax. There's an easier way to make money, right? So. Hmm.
1: Sujit, one final question. I mean, you, you know, this has been a very. Uh, Very informative, very, you know, great advice that you've given to the listeners, uh, the aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, but also among the listeners who, uh, who can benefit from the, from the services that you offer at Optimus, uh, you know, advisory uh, among, in the training and in the content strategy management, people who want to reach out to Optimus, what's the best way? How do, how do they reach out to you? You can you
0: can send an email to info at optmc.com for whatever inquiry you have. You can check out the Optimus website www.optmc.com All our services are listed there. I can give you my direct email address also sujit at optmc.com sujit at optmc.com If there's anything I can, you know, lend my expertise to with regards to what you want to do. So my... You know, concluding thought process here is a lot of people need help. You know, there may be budding entrepreneurs or, you know, people who have been 10, 20, 30 years in career. They're afraid to take the jump. Nothing is wrong with them. Nothing is wrong with their understanding level. It's not even that they have a financial crunch also. They would have had enough savings, enough to start a business. What they don't have is a voice who can listen to them and give them feedback in a non-judgmental way and to motivate them at every step of the way. That can come only from somebody who's, you know, batted enough balls and, you know, seen ups and downs, one or two bull market cycles, one or two bear market cycles, then only you will get the maturity. Ah, okay, so what? The business will survive or it will not survive, but I will survive. When you get that kind of resilience, create a group. Even today, one of my greatest success more than the business, I have a mastermind group of four or five people who are really respected in entrepreneurship. More than my parents also, if anything happens in the business, first call, I will tell you, sir, what should I do? What do you think about it? And they are not into my space. My space is very, very small compared to that. So they're like, have you thought about this? Uh, Have you tried this approach? Sometimes the things that they tell me, you know, I would not even have thought about that. So create a group of uh, guys who are very good in the domain that you want to start out in. And uh, nowadays, uh, there are beautiful organizations like In5 Dubai and all those things which are encouraging startup uh, incubation and all that. If you are a lady, there is so much of opportunity. There are women entrepreneur-specific cells. If you are a person with disability, amazing, like me, there are a lot of uh, encouraging incubators and startup tanks for empowerment of people, entrepreneurs with disabilities, EWDs, as we call mm-hmm. them. Even if you are normal and if you are... Uh, and a normal guy or a normal lady also there are a lot of opportunities available in uae uh, which are supporting small and medium entrepreneurs and uh, contrary to popular belief this is not only for uae nationals they are so gracious for all nationalities they want an idea and they want somebody to drive the idea there is no dearth of capital in the market that i can tell you if your idea is good so Whatever I can guide you, if anybody wants to write in to me, I'm happy to guide you. I can promise you one of two things. Either I will know the answer or I will know somebody who knows the answer. That is for sure. You will not get a mail back from me saying that I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I don't know who can help you also. You will definitely get an answer saying either A, yes, let's do this. I know what to do. This is what you need to do. Or you will get an answer, I am not the right person for this, but this guy is the right guy, he can help you. And if required, I can call up that fellow also and talk to to him and tell him that you'll be getting a call from this person. That much I can, that is for
1: sure. Wow. Sujit, that was very, that's very, very, uh, you know, gracious of you to give your own contact details for uh, people to reach out to you and I really appreciate that. And really appreciate the time you have taken out and the advice and uh, the guidance that you have given. Your journey it is an inspiration to many and, um, and to the listeners as well. It's like I'm sure they felt the uh, the vibe throughout this conversation here. Sujit, thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That was Sujit Sukumaran, founder of Optimus Management Consultants, and you've been listening to. Be your own boss.